I am grateful to be with you this evening, and um, I would appreciate it if you would turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45. We got about halfway through this chapter last time we were together, and now I would like to finish it this evening. And um, I want to, before I do that, I'd like to bring us uh, before the throne of grace one more time. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to have access to your throne, to call you Abba, Father, the same name that Jesus called you on the night in which he was betrayed when he said, Abba, take this cup from me. But if I must drink it, my will, your will and not my will be done. And Lord, we are here today because of that prayer. We are here today because he was willing. The Bible says that he set his face like a flint and went to Jerusalem. Even though his disciples said, they'll kill you if you go there. His disciples were right. But he needed to die, and because of that, we live. And we praise you for that, in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, we will begin to read in Genesis 45, verse 16. And uh, this is an exciting portion, because Joseph has just revealed himself to his brothers... I often find it interesting that Joseph didn't reveal himself to his brothers right away. You know, when they're first going before him, he didn't say, look at me, my dream came true, I told you so. That's not the approach he took. And instead, kind of went through a slow, methodical process of, are they really changed? Now we can debate whether he should have done that. But it's what he chose to do. But then we learned last time that he couldn't restrain himself any longer. And he said in verse 4, I am Joseph, your brother, who you sold into Egypt. Verse 5, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Think about that. Often the things that we do in our lives, we think that they happen in a bubble. We don't often step back to think about the fact that God has a plan over everything, that He is orchestrating everything. In the Proverbs it says, man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Yes, we should be crying out to God to know His will because He says that He will give us wisdom. But we also, if there are two very good options, I believe we can go forward in faith knowing that God will open doors that no man can shut and will shut doors that no man can open. And it was because of Joseph's brothers selling him in to slavery that Joseph learned the skills that he would need to be the leader of Egypt. 
You see, Joseph, if he had not been sold into slavery, he wouldn't have been able to wander down to Egypt one day and Pharaoh see him and say, Hey, Joseph, what do you think about this dream I had? What do you think about leading all of Egypt? No, because see, first he had to lead in Potiphar's house. And then he had to lead in the prison. And it was only after those two training rounds that Joseph was called to lead Egypt. And they didn't come through the easy way. You wouldn't think that you would go to prison to learn leadership. But that was what God had for Joseph. Anyway, now Joseph, as we come to tonight's portion, he has reconciled with his brothers. And the Pharaoh hears of it. And he issues an invitation. Tonight's message, I have titled, Israel Invited to Egypt. So the first point is, the Pharaoh says, Come to Egypt. Genesis 45, 16-18 reads, And the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come. And it pleased the Pharaoh well and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye. Laid your beast, and go get you unto the land of Canaan, and take your father and your household, and come unto me, and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt, and you shall eat of the fat of the land. Now, I find it kind of interesting, and I'm sure you have as well, that remember, in Genesis chapter, uh, I believe it was Genesis chapter uh 18 or 19, possibly before that, God said to Abram, get thee out of thy land and from thy kindred and go to a land wherein I will show you. And so he brought them to Canaan and then he caused a famine in Canaan and he's bringing them to Egypt. So you may wonder, what is God doing? And so often, the plans that God has for a believer don't go in the straight line that we think they're going to go. There are ups and downs, hills and valleys throughout the whole process. And if anybody could tell us of this, it was Joseph himself. We've been witnessing Joseph going through those hills and valleys, but you know what? One thing remained constant. There's a phrase that's over and over in here. We've talked about it before. We must talk about it tonight because it's still true. And it's this phrase. And God was with him. You know, more than anything else in my life, I think I want that said of me when all is said and done. That when people go to my memorial or whatever happens... Or maybe after I'm raptured, people will say of me, even if they don't agree with me, that God was with me. Because God has made all the difference in my life. 
And so, remember, when Pharaoh appointed Joseph, what did he say? He said, we need someone with the Spirit of God in him. And then, of course, Pharaoh saw the blessing that Joseph brought to him. And so he said, bring your family. Remember, we already read earlier in the chapter, Joseph said, I have been called to preserve much people alive. And of course, we know that includes the Egyptians. God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And he blessed a pagan nation for Joseph's leadership. Much like Daniel. Daniel served four pagan kings. Yet he never bowed the knee to an idol. What a testimony that is to you and I. So let's look, by way of cross-reference, back a little bit further in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 26. Verses 4 and 5, Genesis 26, 4 and 5. If someone gets there, if they could stand and read that for us. Now, this is a promise that God made to Isaac after the one that he made to Abraham. He's being consistent. He's reminding Isaac of the, the promise that he made to his father Abraham. And you wouldn't think that then God says, I'm going to preserve, make of you a great nation. I'm going to preserve you. I'm going to bless you. And then he sends famine. How does that make any sense? On a human level, it doesn't. But God will often make a promise to you, make it virtually impossible for that thing to happen, or sometimes declare that He has a plan for you, make it impossible for that to happen, then do it through you anyway. Why? So that he gets all the credit. You see when Sarah. Gave birth to Isaac. It wasn't the latest in a long line of children. Because she was this great fertile person. No it was a barren lady. Who was many years. Beyond childbearing. And yet God's word. Supersedes anything. God created humankind. He knows human biology. And he works outside of it to accomplish his will. That is the very way that our Savior was born as well. He worked outside of human biology. He caused a virgin to conceive and to bear a son. And why was it that a virgin had to conceive and bear a son? It was because... <clears throat> 
when Adam sinned, sin came upon all mankind. See, if Jesus was Joseph's son, he could not have been the propitiation for your sin and my sin. If Jesus was just a carpenter, if he was just a good person, quote-unquote, he couldn't have done that. But because instead, he was able to say with full authority and truth, before Abraham was, I am, then he was the propitiation for our sins. Because you can't get any more perfect, any more enough than when the Son of God says, It is finished. Let's look at Genesis 50, verse 20. Genesis 50, 20. Again, if someone gets there, they can go ahead and read it. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Again, we see the reminder that Joseph was sold into slavery one day out of spite by his brothers. But God's plan was to bring about the safety, the protection of the whole nation of Israel, young as it was at that time, 75, 80 people, I believe, came into Egypt. And they were saved... Because God is faithful. Because the wisdom that Joseph used to collect those crops and be ready for famine was, came not from him, but from God. You know, among those brothers of Joseph that came to live in Egypt was a man by the name of Judah. And our Lord and Savior is known by what title? The Lion of the Tribe of Judah. See, our God knew exactly what he was doing. That's why he said some things like in Galatians, but when the fullness of time has come, then God sent Jesus, born of a woman, to redeem those who are under the law. See, this does not happen without Moses preserving his family through the power of God. When I think about this period of time for Joseph's family, I think about how sometimes we don't know how good we have it. You know, we, we read all the time about how Jesus died for our sins, how he was buried, how he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. But do we really realize 
what that means. We, our brother Joe talked about this morning how the very God, the creator of the universe, he put his hands into the dirt and he formed man from the dust of the ground. He formed him. He didn't just speak him into existence. He formed him. And then, thousands of years later, he consented to put himself into that form. He became the clay that he molded. And Hebrew says that we have a high priest who is familiar with all of our infirmities. Who's acquainted with all of our human frailty. The psalmist says he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. What's the psalmist's response to that? Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. And so we see him blessing the people of Israel. Point number two. All the good of Egypt is yours. Genesis 49, 19 to 23. Genesis 49, 4, 45, 19 to 23. I'm sorry. We're still in 45. Now thou art commanded this day. Now thou art commanded this do ye. Take your wagons out of this land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Also regard not your stuff for the good of the, all the land of Egypt is yours. And the children of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh and gave them provision for the way. To all of them he gave each man changes of raiment. But to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. And to his father he sent after this manner, ten asses laden with good things of Egypt, and ten she asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father, by the way. Do you remember how all of this started? Jacob, as rich as he was, could not provide for his family because he did not have any corn. And so he said, I heard there's corn in Egypt. Go get some. So all they were trying to do at this point was go get a little bit of corn so their family would not die. And God gave them an abundance. Look at this list. It's full of all the good things. The Pharaoh just said, all the good things of Egypt are yours. Now, I want to hasten to add that God does not always promise that we will have material benefits. But he always promises blessings. He always promises good things. He says, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. God has shown himself so strong to me over the past few months of not being on 
disability and God has allowed his church, his people to provide for my needs. And I can testify personally that he gives us what we need and more. And as I'm looking at this list, I'm realizing that all they wanted was corn. And he's giving them so much more. He said, regard not your stuff. For the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. I know when, when I'm suffering need and I'm, I'm wondering how God's going to provide, my dad often gently reminds me, you have a father that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he cares about you and he's going to provide for you because you are his. And I'm so thankful for a father that has trained me that way. The psalmist said, Where do I look up for help? In Psalm 121 it says, I look unto the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. From whence cometh my help? And so, we see that the blessing of the Lord continues to make rich. Proverbs 10.22, Proverbs 10.22. If we could just review that. And then Ephesians 3.20 and 21. But first, Proverbs 10.22. Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And he addeth no sorrow with it. You know, there's a lot of pursuit of riches in this world today. It's a big thing. Every year in the sports world, someone signs what is called the richest contract in sports history. Until five days later when some other athlete's agent says, I can get you even more money than that. And before you know it, you're talking about astronomical amounts of money, but you know what? A lot of those people are miserable. I think it was Norman Rockefeller who was once asked, how much money is enough money? And he said, a little bit more. Think of the story about a guy who, whose brother died and he said, well, I, I want you to, to make sure that you put my money in my casket with me. So his brother said, okay, I will. So when his brother died, he wrote a check <laughs> for the full amount of this man's assets, dropped it in the casket, and went on his way and spent his brother's money. Because there's no way 
for his brother to take the money with him. Reminded of another story about a man who he saved up all his money because he always wanted to go on this big cruise ship. He said, I want to experience this. I want to travel. Saved up all his money. Took a little bit of crackers and cheese because he didn't have money after paying for his ticket. Got into his cabin on the cruise ship and was basically in the cabin the whole week. Came up every once in a while, but didn't think he, you know, he, he didn't, couldn't afford the extravagant meals. So he always took a little bit of crackers and cheese in his cabin. Finally, toward the end of the week, somebody said, well, why don't you ever come to the meals? And the man said, well, I spent all my money on my ticket. I can't afford the meals. Somebody said, well, if you had read the fine print, you would realize that the meals are included. You didn't have to pay more. When it comes to our salvation, sometimes we think, well, Jesus paid it on the cross, but I need to pay a little bit more. But we sing that hymn, and it's so true, Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. You see, I am not good enough to procure my salvation. You are not good enough to procure your salvation. But Paul tells us, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. And do not use liberty for the flesh, but by love serve one another. Paul said this, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. We have liberty as a gift. But it's the opportunity to do what we ought, not to do exactly what we want at all times. And then if we could look at Ephesians 3.20 and 21. Ephesians 3.20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God is in the business of doing abundant, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now again, part of our problem as humanity is we tend to think about this on a material level. And we say, well, if I don't have the new car in my driveway, if I don't have the the latest technology gadget, then God isn't blessing me. But God has other blessings. He's given us family. He's given us friends. He's given us a church where we can freely worship. He's given us breath in our lungs. Jeremiah said it is of God's mercies that we are not consumed every day. 
You know, I look at the world today and I, sometimes I think to myself, if I was God, I'd just end it all right now. But then again, God had every right to wipe Adam and Eve off the face of the planet and say, let's try this again. And he didn't. And even Noah, this guy that was blameless, meaning he was a righteous man, he followed God. Still, what does he do after the flood? He plants a vineyard, gets himself drunk, and then he lays in his, his tent without any clothes on. It was just proof that the flood was not a final solution for man's problem. That could only be found in the cross. Now, point number three. Joseph is alive. For that, we're reading verses 24 to 28. So he sent his brethren away, and they departed, and said unto them, See that you fall not out by the way. And they went up out of Egypt, and came into the land of Canaan, unto Jacob their father, and told them, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And they told them all the words of Joseph which he said to them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, his father, revived. Their father revived. And Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Now, I don't know how many years have passed, but can you imagine... All these years he thinks his son is dead. He believed his other sons when they said, your son is dead and now he's alive. But I find it interesting, don't you, that when Joseph sent his brothers away, he says, fall not out by the way. Meaning don't begin to fight while you're going back. Continue to be unified. It could have been easy for his brothers to start pointing fingers and say, well, you were the one whose idea it was to sell him. <clears throat> I just went along with you because you were my older brother. Maybe it was your fault. But Joseph says, no, don't act like that. So they go up out of Egypt down to the land of Canaan to Jacob their father and they tell him saying Joseph is alive and get this that's not even the best part he's the governor of all of Egypt and Jacob's heart fainted for he believed him not now it's interesting because often they say that you shouldn't Excite an older person because you, they, you know, that could lead to heart problems. And I don't know exactly what happened here. I, all I know is it must have been something dramatic because it says that he, his heart fainted within him. And I can imagine him fainting just from the shock 
of finding out that this person that he thought was dead was now alive. And then when he saw the good, the carts, the things that Joseph had sent back with them, he realized that they were telling the truth. And the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived, and Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Can you imagine just having that thought? I'm going to go see my boy, and then I'll be ready to die. But this is, this is something that Jacob has longed for for years. And it's finally coming true. I can only imagine that similar feelings might have been in the minds of 11 apostles as they're sitting in a locked room these crazy women have told them that Jesus is alive but they're women so what do they know and then Peter and John went to investigate and the tomb is empty but they're not exactly sure why the tomb is empty. And then he appears. And he doesn't say, you idiots, why did you abandon me? No, he says, peace be unto you. And he showed them his hands and he showed them his side. And then eight days later, he did the same for time. My friends, this is why a personal testimony is so important because sometimes people won't believe no matter how many verses you put in their face. But if you say, I personally have seen the goodness of God in the land of the living in my own life and He has changed me from a bitter, desperate young man into an older man who is loving Him and is on fire for Him and wants to serve Him with His life. That makes a difference. Remember that there was a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. He was breathing out threats to the entire Christian community. He wanted them all to die. He held the coats of those that killed Stephen. But then he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he became the one who said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ who lives within me. And when he went to the early church and said, I'm your brother, let me in, they said, no way. They said, no way, we don't believe you. And then Barnabas, the son of encouragement, took Paul by the right hand. And he said, Paul is the real deal. 
God has changed Paul's life. He is indeed our brother. In that same zeal with which Paul persecuted the church was the zeal that he began to preach the gospel. And at the end of his life, he was able to say, I have fought the fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the race which God has given me to do. And as we look at this story of Joseph, we see that we serve a God who can take men's hearts that have fainted within them and make them alive. Ephesians says you were far off, but now you are brought nigh by the blood of his cross. So the question I have for you, or more accurately the question God has for you is, Have you been brought nigh? Do you know what it's like to believe on the risen Christ? To be made alive by the one who is the firstborn from the dead. Can we look at Romans 5, 3 to 6? Very quickly, Romans 5, 3 to 6. You know, it's interesting. There's there's the concept of time again. Remember, I mentioned earlier that it says that after the fullness of time had come, Jesus was sent into the world. And then once again, and all throughout Jesus' life, he said, my time has not yet come. And as we saw in Joseph's life, he spent time as a shepherd for his father. He spent time in a pit. He spent time at Potiphar's household. He spent time in the prison until he was finally the governor of all Egypt. And Jesus came in the fullness of time Throughout his life in the Gospels, we read his time had not yet come. His time had not yet come. As a matter of fact, at the wedding in Canaan, he told his mother the same thing. What have I to do with you? My time has not yet come. And yet Mary still had the courage and the faith to say, whatever he says to you, 
do it. She had no idea how he would act, if if he would act, when he would act. She just said this. Whatever he says to you, do it. And I say this to you with full confidence. That same Jesus deserves and wants the same allegiance. Whatever he says to us, we should do it. Now I remember after college and trying the hardest I could to get a great full-time job so that I could hopefully buy a house, raise a family. Still goals that I have. But that was my main focus for the first two years after I graduated. This is what I want more than anything. But God kept prodding me and saying, you need to speak for me. I have a message for you to deliver. You need to do this. And I kept saying, but God, I'll do it someday. And he said, stop telling me what you will do and just do it. God said to Moses, go your way and I will tell you what you'll say. I will tell. And he says to us today that we don't have to worry about speaking up for our faith, defending our faith, because if we are brought to account and we are asked to defend our faith, Jesus said, you'll be brought before magistrates for my sake. You'll be brought to testify for me. But don't worry about what you'll say, because in the very hour that you need words, I will give them to you. We see this in Daniel and Joseph both times. They could have said, well, I, I have this talent for, for telling dreams. Let, let me have a crack at it. But no, they didn't. They said, there is a God in heaven who knows the answer. And he's the one that's going to give me the answer that I have for you. None of these stories in the hall of faith that we have been talking about through this whole long series mean anything without God Almighty. Hebrews 11.6 says, Him that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Why does it say believe that He is? Because everything good, God is. You ever think about that? Anything you can think of good, God is that. I praise God that that is the God that I serve. Because one day he reached into my life and he said, I want you for my own. And after I trusted him, there were still trials. I still struggled a lot. As a teenager, I didn't want to live. But God brought me through. He never let go of me. He led me through the death of my brother. And he's helped me to realize that I'm never going to be more peaceful than when I'm at the center 
of his will. He is so good. Psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I can tell you, that is the absolute truth. So, but if you haven't tasted, if you haven't submitted your life to him, you can't experience the goodness. You know, if Jacob had said, I'm just going to stay in Canaan, he wouldn't have been able to experience the goodness that Joseph offered. If Abraham had just said, I'll stay with my kindred, he wouldn't have experienced the blessings that God had. If in that conference, before all time, when God the Father said to Jesus, you need to go and redeem mankind. To restore the fellowship that we had with him in the beginning. And Jesus said, I, I think I'll stay here. Then we would be of all men most miserable. But he didn't. He came. I'm going to close in prayer and then I wonder if we might sing Thou didst leave thy throne. I'm not sure what number it is. Pretty sure it's in the brown book. But um, after I pray I'd like to close with this song because it really shows me all that God did for me and for you, for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the story of Joseph and the pictures that it paints. We pray that we would be faithful to you. We pray that we would begin to understand that even in the hard times, you are still at work. You haven't abandoned us. You're always active, always doing, always perfecting for us what it is you want us to do in this life. And as Paul said, I has not seen nor has ear heard what the Lord is preparing for those that love him. God, I'm one of those that loves you, and I pray that everyone in this room will choose to bow the knee and, and come to the place where all the land is level at the foot of the cross. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.